Hello everybody, my name is Darren. I write a blog called A Demon's Voice about movies and shit like that. You can find it at demonsvoice.blogspot.com. I'm also on Twitter at Demon's Voice, which you should definitely follow me because oh, why the fuck not? Hope you've all had a good week. Mine's been shit as usual, although there was some excitement in my road this week. There was three ambulances, two, uh, one police car, and uh, you know, then a black van pulled up outside a house. I had my face proper pressed up against the window, and then uh, two guys got out of the black van and pulled my neighbour out of her house, and she was on a stretcher with a blanket over her face, which I'm pretty sure means that she's dead, and then they bumped her in the black car and then they drove off you know that was it was i killed 25 minutes and well her i guess we we shouldn't be too sorry for her though because she was old and you know her, her misery is over now isn't it the rest of us have got to stay here and listen to people yammer on about coronation street and celebrity love island and we've all got to listen to pierce morgan's shitty opinions about fucking vegan sausage rolls like i'm not advocating anybody hurting pierce morgan as fun as that might be but wouldn't it be good if something happened to him and he ended up in a coma and when he was a vegetable, we could bake him into a fucking sausage roll and eat him and puke him into his own fucking grave. Anyway, so I'm here to talk about Downton Abbey, the movie. That was pretty shit. I shall read my blog on it now. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Things didn't bode well for this new film version of Downton Abbey when I found myself sat next to a little old lady that had wandered to the cinema to watch the thing alone. Don't mind me, she said, before cracking open a massive fucking bottle, but I can hardly watch Downton without my Prosecco. I've never seen a single fucking second of this show, but it seems that even its fans need to get themselves fucking ratted to sit through it. I didn't even think it looked that good to begin with, so I figured that I need something stronger than a Prosecco to get me through it. I've never done cocaine in my life, and I have no clue if it makes cells more watchable, but as the granny to my left proceeded to get herself massively twatted, it seemed like now might be a good time to find out. Alas, the trailers had already finished at this point, and I lived such a sheltered life that unless Al Pacino had walked in with his Scarface costume on, then I wouldn't know what the fuck a drug dealer looked like. As the film went on, and I found myself bored to fucking tedium, I concluded that I was now faced with two options. I could remain sober and risk the film being so fucking dull that my mental health might never quite recover, or I could make a fucking move on the old lady and attempt to get pissed off the alcoholic fumes of her Prosecco-laced breath. The film itself begins with a shot of the Abbey, which is kind of like Wayne Manor if Batman had gone on holiday for the weekend and the place had become infested with a fucking swarm of toffee-nosed pricks. From what I can gather, the rich people live their opulent lives in the main part of the building, with the poorer people that work for them hidden below. In fact, the cellar that those poorer people live and work in is so fucking horrible and drab that I became convinced that it was the same set as Hannibal Lecter's dungeon prison in The Silence of the Fucking Lambs. I guess that representing the class divide in this kind of upstairs-downstairs sort of way was most famously seen in 1997's Titanic, except in this movie we're sadly deprived the merciful crunch of the tough-killing iceberg. I tell you what the plot of the movie is too, but it really doesn't have one. The rich family upstairs receive a letter telling them that the king and queen will be staying the night with them, and then everybody spends two hours spaffing their fucking knickers in excitement. That's it. The film is like a propaganda piece designed to remind us why we should be so happy that we're lesser creatures than the super rich. It's a film that sticks its tongue so far up the arse of the monarchy that you'd think it was trying to taste the gold in their teeth, and it made me want to vomit up the fucking walls. Of course, there'd be a way to tell this story in which the filmmakers cast a cynical eye on the distribution of wealth and the vast and fair chasm between the rich and the poor. But it's way more interested in attempting to convince us of ripping off our dirty rags and to just dance in the golden shower of our glorious betters. How did this family even get its money, by the way, because the film never explains it, and you never see any of the rich people actually working? I can only assume it's something sinister, and that there's a wing in the house in which children are bought and sold to sweatshops, millionaire paedophiles, and pie makers that have run out of fucking meat. When the servants of Downton Abbey find out they'll be preparing food for the king and queen, they're over the moon with excitement. 
But as the movie went on, I began to suspect that their joy wasn't because they'd all planned to take a communal piss in the soup before it was served. Instead, the servants simply seemed happy to be doing their jobs for the royal family, as though it was an honour to prepare something that a rich person is only going to shit back out a few hours later. Unfortunately for the Abbey workers, the monarchy arrive with their own staff, who we're told can do everything for themselves. What follows is a rivalry between the two teams of servants, in what I can only assume is how our society's elite imagine a turf war to be in the fucking projects. With so little going on, the film has had to pad out its running time with slow motion shots of people clearing tables and food being served. Essentially, the Downton Abbey movie was like an advert for the Marks and Spencer's summer range, but if they'd forgotten to include the on-screen prices. When Hugh Bonneville's Earl of Grantham sat down at the table to eat, I half expected a voiceover to explain how, for $24.99, I too could own his lavish cutlery set and live like a prick. Not that this will put our fans of the show, of course. The movie spends so little time explaining the character to those unfamiliar with the series that its aspirations have been nothing more than a big screen episode are fully apparent. Which isn't hugely a problem, I suppose, as you could generally work out a person's place in the house based on how horned up they got when they encountered another human in clean clothes. If there were two characters that I could never quite get a fix on, though, it was the two old ladies played by Maggie Smith and Penelope Wilton. I have no clue what their relationship was, but they spent so much of the movie spitting shitty remarks at each other that I can only assume they're ex-lovers and this was the result of their built-up sexual tension. The very fact that the story didn't conclude with a Busby Berkeley-esque orgy of them performing a grotesque act of what I'll call Granny Lingus on each other is perhaps the film's biggest failing. Not that I could give one solitary shit about Maggie Smith's character at all. Throughout the movie, the focus of her attention seems to be on that of a rich member of the family that she's discovered intends to leave their wealth to a servant. Smith is appalled that the money should find its way to somebody of a lower class, and at no point does the film point out how much of a fucking bitch that makes her. Later on, it's also discovered that another servant has stolen the odd item that won't be missed by its wealthy owners, and which she justifies as it's worth the year of her own wages. When being chastised, she's asked, so you think that because not everybody can afford this that nobody deserves it? Which is pretty much how I think that the average rich prick thinks. Of course the woman is wrong to steal, but I can hear the logic of that statement being screamed out of the brains of every MP that's ever been asked why the taxpayer should fund the moat on their duck pond when others are starving and eating from fucking food banks. You can imagine my surprise, therefore, when the credits began to roll, and I saw that the screenplay had actually been written by Ken Loach, whose films had previously included Kez, Bread and Roses, and I, Daniel Blake. Not really, obviously, that's a joke. When talking about Downton Abbey, Loach himself is on record as saying, Don't bother your heads with what's going on now, just wallow in fake nostalgia. It's bad history, bad drama, and it puts your brain to sleep. Of course he's right too, but as the second hour of the film began to drag even harder than the first, I began to wish it was more than just my fucking brain that was asleep. I also began to regret my decision to not get off with the pissed up old lady sat next to me. The film was actually written by Julian Fellows, or to give him his full name, Julian Alexander Kitchener Fellows, Baron Fellows of West Stafford D.L., now, I don't mean to judge a book by its title, but that's not a name that I'd usually associate with a man of the people. With good reason too, as whenever I've seen that bored little prick interviewed, he's always seemed like a snobby posh twat to me. I don't want you to think that I don't like people because of their class or their wealth either, by the way. It's not how much money they have that makes these people so hateful, but rather the air of entitlement that the film has in regards to them. We're expected to love the rich people because of the family they were born into, and we're meant to relate to the poor people because they fucking adore the rich. The whole thing smacks a fellow's attempts to justify his place above us lowly worms, and as such, I would rather stick my head in a fucking blender than ever watch this again. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time.